Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, the first big piece of news I noticed this week was that mortgage rates in the US have hit 8%, which is a high going back not to 2007, but to 2000, so much earlier, given what happened last time around with US mortgages causing a bit of problem in the world. Are you worried about this round? Well, I mean, US national debt's about to hit 34 trillion. Um, debt through every other level, be it corporate um, or personal, is higher than it was back in 2008 when we had the credit crunch. Um, and so what interest rates ultimately do is reflect risk in a marketplace. It's quite simple. And that's why the number's gone up. People saying, crikey, you know, where are we going with all of this? So I think, I mean, you know, whether it stays as high as that, I don't know. But I think one thing is absolutely certain, you know, we are not going back down to interest rates hovering just above zero. That is not going to happen. For, I mean, it may happen again in the future, but it ain't going to happen at any point over the next decade or more. So we are you know, stuck with 5% plus interest rates, I suspect, on both sides of the pond for a long time. But clearly, clearly, there are people beginning to express some nervousness about the levels of debt in the USA, which I, I have to say, I think is realistic. It's the amount of borrowing as well, isn't it? That's it's actively occurring with that deficit. But the part of this that I don't understand, right, is if you told me a year ago you know, that the interest rates were going to spike, I would have said to you, you know, they can't really go far beyond 6% because something will blow up. Some, something will go wrong somewhere. Someone borrowed too much money and can't afford that. And we sort of saw that with some of the banks going bust in the US. We sort of saw that with the UK guild market causing a bit of trouble um, for Liz Trust. But since then, nothing's really blown up in the same way, despite the fact that interest rates have continued to spike. Are you expecting something else to go uh, wrong? The fact they haven't doesn't mean they won't. I mean, they're two very different things. And, and often when it comes to companies, uh, big companies getting into real trouble, there's often a very big lag time between the moment when, you know, the accountants say, mm -hmm. this doesn't look too good, uh, before it becomes something big and public. So uh, you know, it would be surprising, given the way interest rates have been in America, if they stay at this number, it would be surprising, very surprising, not to have more and perhaps quite significant corporate failures. And the, the jump in interest rates in the bond market seems to be getting a bit disorderly often um, every now and then. So they might have the same sort of issues that we had in the UK. Yeah. Uh, but let's move on to the next next story. Uh, sort of one better than the next. Uh, we've got over the next four weeks, the debt ratings agencies, the ones that caused a bit of trouble in 2008, they are going to update their debt rating on Italy. Now, none of them are expected to downgrade Italy's debt rating officially. They are expected to worsen the outlook that they expect for Italy. And there's a big difference there because a lot of the funds that invest our money can only do so based on certain debt ratings. So if they do downgrade Italy, mm. it really could cause quite a big problem for Italy's borrowing capacity and interest rates that it would have to pay. Are you expecting any sort of trouble? And do you think debt ratings agencies still matter as much as they did in, say, 2008? Uh, whether debt ratings agencies matter as much as they did, having got things so badly wrong, uh, back at that moment in time, I don't know, or care, particularly. Um, but but what the market's telling you, with bond spreads starting to widen again, uh, with, with Italy against the rest of the Eurozone, particularly Germany, uh, you know, it is another warning sign. Now, we've seen cycles of this several times in the last, well, slightly more than a decade. Um, 
But something different is happening this time round. And it's the rise of the AFD. You know, the AFD, the last polling I saw put the AFD on 23% in Germany, much higher in the old Eastern Germany. Um, yeah, they're now in second, clearly in second position in German politics. And for the minute, nothing seems to stop them. Uh, and certainly with what's happening with global events isn't going to stop them. And of course, remember, that party was founded by economists. Economists founded that party saying, it's OK, fine, we might have done well out of the euro so far with a depreciated currency helping our exports, you know, military equipment to Greece. I mean, you couldn't even make some of this stuff up. Uh, and they recognized that. But they said at some point in time, there could be one hell of a price to pay for all of this. And, and you know, without getting into the complexities of Target 2, um, uh, you know, at some point in time, Italy will need more bailouts. And if you start to have a German political class uh, that, that start to get reluctant on this, then, of course, those bond spreads would go a lot wider. Now, look, I'm not suggesting this is going to happen in the next month, but I am suggesting it'll happen sometime in the next year. It becomes interesting because so far the crises we've had in the European sovereign debt mess have come from places like Greece and Italy where governments have been elected to, to pick a bit of a fight. We haven't had the same situation occur in the heart of the Eurozone from Germany. So there's a couple of new dynamics there uh, that could make things interesting. Are they still sort of a, a Eurosceptic party these days? Well, I mean, Maloney has been far more emollient in government than anybody thought. Um, which is why you don't see the front pages plastered with Italian outrage because she's kind of done what the other EU leaders want. Um, but there's no doubt that um, it's actually the migrant crisis, I think more than the Eurozone directly, where Italy is being driven apart from many of its other so-called partners within the European Union. I mean, it's why she made common cause with Rishi Sunak the last time all of the EU leaders met. Um so, so is Italy still at loggerheads with the EU? Yes, but it's much more over Lampedusa and the huge number yeah. that are now crossing the Mediterranean than it is directly to do with economics. Um, look, you I, know, meant, I meant the AFD more so, but I think the answer is the same. The AFD is focused on immigration more so. Than well, they are, but I mean, as I say, yes, they are, but, but, but you know, they are a party um, with deep scepticism about the euro as a financial projects. And I think that's a very important thing. And that pressure is rising again given what's happening in yeah. Myanmar. Sorry to interrupt, but if you're enjoying this content, you can get it every single day. Just click the link in the description or go to fortuneandfreedom.com. Get a daily email from our team of experts. Thank you. Um, next piece of news that I want to ask about is the Binance story, because this is quite close to your heart. We've got the biggest cryptocurrency exchange in the world. They've stopped taking new UK customers after the FCA, which, by the way, Nigel regulates us, of course. So keep yep. that in mind. They had some issues with Binance's advertising. Uh, and so Binance has sort of given up on, on new customers in the UK. Um, what does this mean to you? Do you think this is going to hit the price? Um, is it just one, red, one, you know, one exchange and we shouldn't worry about it? Or is there more to the story? Well, it's a very important exchange. I mean, there's no question about that. I think what we're seeing, and I began to feel this through the banking round that I was having in the course of the summer, which, by the way, isn't over. Uh, another instalment coming next week, you wait. Um, but I, I think what you're seeing with the attitude of the FCA 
and in particular with the attitude of the banks, is it's becoming harder and harder for British investors legally to 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 invest in 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 cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, the screws are really being put on all levels, and I think Binance are looking at that at that and thinking, you know what? There are so many other markets around the world. Why do we need the aggro, the compliance cost of doing things in the United Kingdom with the banking sector and an FCA that appear to be quite hostile towards us? And what a change that it is, you know, from Rishi Sunak two years ago saying London could be the centre, you know, of crypto trading. And we've gone completely the other way. That's why I think Binance have done what they've done. And, and, and you know, remember that, that with all forms of, of financial markets and financial products, Compliance cost is now, you know, in many ways, the single biggest issue. I mean, astonishing to think that our own money laundering regs, Forbes say, for every one pound of laundered money found in the UK banking system, the compliance cost is 100 quid. So, you know, when you understand that, you can perhaps see why Binance are doing what they're doing. <laughs> it's mind-blowing, isn't it? I mean, it is mind-blowing, but that's where we are. It's, it's, it's what I call the sledgehammer to miss the nut. And it's why, you know, if... What's if what the bank computer deems to be an exceptional payment goes into your account, and especially if you put some cash into the bank, they, they sort of alarm bells go off that you could be a front. You know, the fact you're living in Surrey is irrelevant. You could be the front for a Colombian drug gang, and your account gets closed. It makes me feel a bit less alone in the uh, in the banking quagmire of my day <laughs> life, though. <laughs> Um, it, the, the news story that, uh, that I sort of copy and pasted to chat about this said that the standards are among the toughest in the world. <laughs> I think the way you... Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, you can raise your standards so high that you crush your business. And a little bit of that's happening now in the crypto world. Let's finish on an awkward one. Um, Moderna, Pfizer, BioNTech share prices are back to where they were in the first quarter of 2020 after a recent rout in those. Ironically enough, AstraZeneca is doing okay, but let's not go there. Do you think this this has any significance uh, when it comes to the coronavirus crisis, the legacy of the COVID? We're all vaccine skeptics now. No, we're not all vaccine skeptics. But I mean, you know, it's really interesting. You know, because I mean, this is a conversation I have every day with people because the COVID inquiry is going on right now. You know, every day the COVID inquiry. Um, you you know, we learned yesterday that. Neil Ferguson, the professor upon whose modelling we put in place lockdown, warned at the start it would hit the poorest in society the hardest. Well, we weren't told that at the time, were we? Um, and every day something comes out. Of course, nobody will be held to account, least of all Matt Hancock. Um, but generally, you know, when it comes to jabs, when it comes to big pharma, you know, it isn't just crackpot conspiratorial fringe on the edges of the internet that are now saying this a lot of people that i know very mainstream people i'm not having the flu jab i'm not having another covid booster i'm done with it i don't think they told us the truth and i think i think that's what what perhaps is 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 is, is being reflected some big pharma skepticism i think has crept in seems to be a return to normality i don't remember the trusting pharma before the coronavirus well no you wouldn't nick and i wouldn't obviously but, 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 you know, amongst the broader population who are generally quite accepting, we're generally quite accepting. When those in authority, when those in power tell us something's good for us, we generally believe it because we want to believe that we're being run by people who have our best interests at heart and have done all the research. You know, Nigel, the, the people who most ardently objected 
to pharmaceutical companies uh, and accused them of profiteering and other questionable practices were also the ones who most ardently demanded that we all get vaccinated. And it's that shift that, that really interested me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I think we I, look. I think we all went through a period of collective madness in 2020, and uh, and uh, I think there is a sense of normality returning. Uh, but added to which, there are many more people like you and I who are a little bit suspicious of these big firms than there were before. And that's exactly what the share prices of the companies that produce the seeds are reflecting. Nigel, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for watching. Well, thank you for watching. I hope you agree it's never been more important to take control of your own money, your own financial situation. We do a daily free email, a fortune and freedom daily email with lots of knowledge, lots of insight. It's a very useful way of protecting yourself for the future. So please click the link in the description or go to fortuneandfreedom.com and get my daily email.